0: This is a Toledo City Podcast. Welcome back to Season 2 of the Toledo City Podcast. My name is Al Jacobs, recording from the Toledo-Lucas County Public Library's brand new Mott Branch on Door Street. I'm here with Acting Director of Toledo-Lucas County Public Library, Jason Kuzma. Jason, welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So, um... We're here at the Mott Branch. It's just been newly reopened. The main branch downtown is undergoing significant renovation. scheduled to open September 28th. These are both major investments in library infrastructure in Toledo. Mm -hmm. What does it say about the community and its willingness to invest in libraries? Yeah, I mean, I think these spaces are, they represent a hub for community. One of the things when
1: we talk about the public investment in libraries our, a lot of people don't realize Toledo-Lucas County Public Library is funded 50% through local property taxes and about 50% through a public library fund that comes from the state. Nearly, well, over $5 is returned for every dollar that's spent on public libraries. Um, and so we think that's a pretty good investment. And And these renovation projects, three came together, the Sylvania renovation, the Branch construction, the main library renovation. They were all in the works for quite some time. And, and um, you know, we have a 10-year master plan for facilities that helps us make good decisions about what we need to be focusing our attention on to you know, we see 3 million people a year coming through our system, and so that's a lot of wear and tear on, on our infrastructure, we try to make sure that we're staying up to date with it. I, you know, when I came here to be the deputy director for Clyde Schools, I didn't realize how much focus we would have on, on our buildings and our infrastructure, and knowing that we're trying to anticipate how people are going to want to use a library in the next 10, 20, 30 years, and we try to build
0: flexibility into the work that we're doing. So you've been here for the last four odd years. Right, right. And before that, you were in New York. Before that, you were in Arizona getting a master's in library science. What brought you back to Toledo?
1: Yeah, I was, you know, had done some work here in Toledo before where I was running a nonprofit organization and, and publishing a magazine and, and decided that my plan B was to go back to library school. A lot of people don't realize you need to get a master's degree in library science to become a librarian, so... Left to get that degree and was in New York City running a nonprofit organization that provides services for the different types of libraries in in New York City and got the call about the deputy director position that was open here. I had been interviewing for other public library director positions and was really intrigued by the idea of coming back to Ohio. It's a place that I left here in 2005. I grew up in the east side suburbs of Cleveland, so I'm Midwestern through and through and got a call about this deputy director position and, you know, by December of 20. Uh, December 2014 um, had agreed to take this position and come back, and it was it was exciting because I think there's so much change that's happening here in the Toledo area, and I'm glad to be part of it. I mean, you know, leaving in 2005 and coming back in 2015 is so much different than uh, it. So much change had happened, and even so much has happened in the last four years. To his credit, I have you know a debt of gratitude to Clyde Scholes, my, uh, my director, uh, our late director, and, and sort of mentor of mine. He took uh, I think a calculated risk on bringing someone like myself in as, as deputy director with uh, a whole lot of public library experience. I had worked with them, a lot of them in New York City, New York Public Library, Brooklyn Public, and Queens Public, all great institutions, but I would put Toledo Lucas County Public Library right up next to them. So it stacks up nationally. Absolutely, right? yeah. We have great infrastructure. We have tremendous amount of access to the libraries, plus the physical spaces specifically. I mean, we have 20 locations throughout Lucas County, plus mobile services that reach those people who aren't able to either make it to the library or aren't close to a branch. You know, I joke that it's sort of an embarrassment of riches because we do have, we're very fortunate and it's something I spend a lot of time helping people understand and make sure that we're not taking for
0: granted. Everybody these days has a smartphone. Um, Everybody's got internet access. People can read on their phones, read on their computers whenever they want. How do libraries still fit in with people's contemporary lives? It's a good question. How, you know, with so much technology that we feel is pervasive, you know,
1: what role does the public library play? And there are two things that I would mention there. First is that we make some assumptions about technology. Over a third of our population um, nationwide, and I think our local community reflects the same, um, don't have broadband access to technology at home. And there are people who, who are on monthly programs where they just have a certain amount of minutes and they don't want to you know, burn those minutes on their phone. The public library is a great equalizer in access to technology. So the fact that we have 20 locations with over a 1,000 public computers that people can use to get online, to apply for jobs, so many jobs require you to do the applications online. You know, in, in addition to just providing access to technology, we're, we're delivering technology to those devices so the people that do, are connected that do have the resources to have the technology in their pockets or at home We're providing access to audiobooks and eBooks they can carry around with them, streaming movies and television shows through Hoopla. One of the reasons Public Library is a successful institution or or remains relevant to the communities is because we sort of have a foot in tradition, but we're always looking ahead to see what what the future needs and expectations are going to be of the communities that we serve.
0: A physical library space is one of the last public spaces where you don't have to buy anything to be able to spend time there. What does that say about a library... Like hours here in Toledo,
1: it's a good question. What role does the physical space play? And we, when we were on the ballot in 2016, we got those questions from a lot of people in the community. What, you know, why do we need to invest in this library buildings when we know that so much stuff is moving to online? My answer was that you know it's only a portion of the picture. And so our 20 branches are community hubs, and it's a place where our meeting rooms are used constantly by organizations and individuals who are coming together to work work alone, work together, it is a part of our social fabric in this community that, that helps kind of make sure that everyone has access to what they need to succeed. Those physical spaces, like I said, they, they are anchors of their communities and they look like each of the communities they serve. You take that away and, and I think you, you, you do a disservice to the community. There's a book that came out recently called Palaces for the People by sociologist Eric Kleinenberg that talks about the role that public infrastructure plays in leveling social inequality, Um, addressing polarization in our communities.
0: What are some of the other resources in the library that might be underutilized or people might not associate with this traditional aspect of like a limestone building library that is from the
1: 40s? We're trying to kind of challenge people's perceptions of what the public library is and does So some things like we've got these fantastic new book clubs that uh, some of our librarians have started called Books on Tap, where they're going out into the community to have book clubs at local bars, doing them downtown, I think some in Miami and and in Sylvania. We also have our business team that's out in the community. Uh, When we closed Main Library, we had an opportunity to see how our librarians in the business department were able to kind of think about their work a little differently, and we took them. Off of desk duty, and so basically embedded them in the community. So they're working with small and medium-sized business owners
0: to help them either start or grow a business. So you were the co-founder of Clamor Magazine, that was in Toledo from 2001 to 2006. How did that experience inform your direction and your current role as acting director?
1: It's interesting. I mean, when I was working in independent media, running, publishing this magazine, and then starting a nonprofit called Allied Media Projects, the work that we were doing there was trying to amplify the voices of communities and individuals that were underrepresented or maybe sort of marginalized. And as I think about the through point to like my career now in public libraries, that work was independent media focused on social justice issues. And now I'm working in an institution where social justice in the form of equal access for everyone, everyone is welcome at the library. We are working to sort of lower barriers to technology, participation, and use. Um, it's sort of inherently kind of social justice focused. Um, <clears throat> so there, I think there's, there's a lot of similarities in that work. Um, I've learned a tremendous amount in the many different jobs I've had growing up in my life, and, and uh, even when I came here, as somebody, I mentioned before, as somebody who does not have a ton of uh, public library experience, um, I've learned so much from my colleagues and the people that do run the system um, and help you know helping remove the barriers to them doing better work. If you try to create the public library today, it would be virtually impossible to get everyone to agree on what that public library system is. And it's something that you know we don't take
0: for granted, and want to make sure that we preserve that. There's a ton of new books, movies, e-books. You guys, you have uh, hoopla where people can stream TV shows and movies if they want. Um, how does the copyright work for those kind of things where? They're essentially available to the public, yet if somebody wanted to do it out of their garage or something, like, it probably wouldn't be. Right.
1: Yeah, so I mean, we have, you've seen those little free libraries, those little book boxes that uh, I was joked that, you know, that little free library, um, unless it has a little tiny librarian inside it. It's just a box with books in it, right? I mean, they're, they're, they're lovely little community assets, but the library, we have relationships with publishers and, and, and we, you know, have, you know, these models of business that allow us to borrow a copy and lend it out, you know, and it's part of that copyright law. And to be honest with you, one of the challenges we're facing right now is the difficulties in dealing with publishers and pricing for digital content. And so we spend a lot of time trying to work with publishers to get them to understand the value of providing lower cost access to digital titles. They've got a long history of give, you know selling us copies that they know we're going to loan um, and that will be in circulation, and that tends to promote those books, and it promotes more reading, and it promotes sales of those books. They don't inherently see the same thing with digital content, and it's something that we struggle with. The library pays a lot of money per title for, for digital titles, and when we're often not allowed to lend them to multiple people at the same time, so it's still, that's why when you want to borrow an audiobook, which you would think it's a digital file, how many, you know, that should be able to be used as many times as possible by as many people as possible. We still have, like, one per, you know, there are still holds on that. You still have to wait your turn for that. Holds on a digital copy of a book. It seems counterintuitive, but it's part of an industry, I think, that is slow to understand and adapt to the ways that people use technology right now.
0: What are some of the summer programs that are happening that... You're personally excited about? Yeah, so I mentioned I'm
1: actually doing some summer reading now, where I have not had the luxury to do that, and part of that is because I wanted to make a concerted effort to be an active participant in the summer read program, and that's essentially our summer program where we invite the community to sign up uh, and take the challenge to read either ten books or read for thir- read a little bit for thirty days. Uh, it, there are prizes along the way from the moment when you sign up to the midway point. Uh, and then grand prizes for people that complete that. And the grand prizes include things like UT football tickets, one tickets. Um, we've got some devices like the Amazon Kindle fires and iPads, uh, and also a stay at the Canale Metro Parks treehouses, which is, is, seems to pique a lot of people's interest and excitement. And we've got over, over 12,000 people have signed up so far in the summer read. We usually try to shoot for around 20,000 people by the end of the season. And, and summer read wraps up right around the beginning of August. So, where can people sign up? Uh, they can go to slash summer read. And if people don't have a library card yet, we will not shame anyone for that. But uh, you can just go to slash card. Uh, and people can sign up for an, a card online without having to come into, the, into any of the branches. And that gives you access to a lot of those digital
0: titles as well. So Toledo Lucas County Public Library Acting Director Jason Kuzma Thanks for coming on the show Thank again. You, This is season 2 of Toledo City Podcast Have a great week.